The Dunwich Horror by H.P. Lovecraft. Nine. Friday morning, Armitage, Rice, and Morgan set out by motor for Dunwich, arriving at the village about one in the afternoon. The day was pleasant, but even in the brightest sunlight, a kind of quiet dread and portent seemed to hover about the strangely domed hills and the deep, shadowy ravines of the stricken region. Now and then, on some mountain top, a gaunt circle of stones could be glimpsed against the sky. From the air of hushed fright at Osborne's store, they knew something hideous had happened and soon learned of the annihilation of the Elmer Fry house and family. Throughout that afternoon, they rode around Dunwich, questioning the natives concerning all that had occurred, and seeing for themselves, with rising pangs of horror, the drear Fry ruins with their lingering traces of the tarry stickiness, the blasphemous tracks in the Fry yard, the wounded Seth Bishop cattle, and the enormous swaths of disturbed vegetation in various places. The trail up and down Sentinel Hill seemed to Armitage of almost cataclysmic significance and he looked long at the sinister altar-like stone on the summit. At length, the visitors, apprised of a party of state police which had come from Aylbury that morning in response to the first telephone reports of the Fry tragedy, decided to seek out the officers and compare notes as far as practicable. This, however, they found more easily planned than performed, since no sign of the party could be found in any direction. But now the car stood empty near the ruins in the Fry yard, the natives, all of whom had talked with the policeman, seemed at first as perplexed as Armitage and his companions. Then old Sam Hutchins thought of something and turned pale, nudging Fred Farr and pointing to the dank, deep hollow that yawned close by. "'God!' he gasped. "'I told him not to go down in the glen, and I never thought nobody'd do it, with them tracks and that smell and the whippoorwills a-screeching down there in the dark of noonday.' A cold shudder ran through natives and visitors alike, and every ear seemed strained in a kind of instinctive, unconscious listening. Armitage, now that he had actually come upon the horror and its monstrous work, trembled with the responsibility he felt to be his. Night would soon fall, and it was then that the mountainous blasphemy lumbered upon its eldritch course. Negotium perambulans in tenebre. The old librarian rehearsed the formula he had memorized, and clutched the paper containing the alternative one he had not memorized. He saw that his electric flashlight was in working order. Rice, beside him, took from a valise a metal sprayer of the sort used in combating insects, whilst Morgan uncased the big game rifle on which he relied, despite his colleague's warnings that no material weapon would be of help. Armitage, having read the hideous diary, knew painfully well what kind of a manifestation to expect but he did not add to the fright of the Dunwich people by giving any hints or clues. He hoped that it might be conquered without any revelation to the world of the monstrous thing it had escaped. As the shadows gathered, the natives commenced to disperse homeward, anxious to bar themselves indoors despite the present evidence that all human locks and bolts were useless before a force that could bend trees and crush houses when it chose. They shook their heads at the visitor's plan to stand guard at the fry ruins near the glen and as they left, had little expectancy of ever seeing the watchers again. There were rumblings under the hills that night, and the whippoorwills piped threateningly. Once in a while a wind, sweeping up out of Cold Spring Glen, would bring a touch of ineffable feeder to the heavy night air, such a feeder as all three of the watchers had smelled once before, 
when they stood above a dying thing that had passed for fifteen years and a half as a human being. But the looked-for terror did not appear. Whatever was down there in the glen was biding its time, and Armitage told his colleagues it would be suicidal to try to attack it in the dark. Morning came wanly, and the night sounds ceased. It was a gray, bleak day, with now and then a drizzle of rain, and heavier and heavier clouds seemed to be piling themselves up beyond the hills to the northwest. The men from Arkham were undecided what to do. Seeking shelter from the increasing rainfall beneath one of the few undestroyed fry outbuildings, they debated the wisdom of waiting, or of taking the aggressive and going down into the glen in quest of their nameless, monstrous quarry. The downpour waxed in heaviness, and distant peals of thunder sounded from far horizons. Sheet lightning shimmered, and then a forky bolt flashed near at hand, as if descending into the accursed glen itself. The sky grew very dark, and the watchers hoped that the storm would prove a short, sharp one, followed by clear weather. It was still gruesomely dark, when not much over an hour later, a confused babble of voices sounded down the road. Another moment brought to view a frightened group of more than a dozen men, running, shouting, and even whimpering hysterically. Someone in the lead began sobbing out words, and the Arkham men started violently when those words developed a coherent form. "'Oh, my God! My God!' the voice choked out. "'It's a-gone again, and this time by day. It's out! It's out and moving this very minute! And only the Lord knows when it will be on us all!' The speaker panted into silence, but another took up his message. "'Nigh on an hour ago, Zeb Waitley here heard the phone a-ringin', and it was Miss Coy!' "'George's wife that lives down by the junction. "'She says the hide boy Luther was out driving the cows from the storm after the big bolt. "'When he sees all the trees abending at the mouth of the glen, opposite side to this, "'and smelt the same awful smell like he smelt when he found the big tracks last Monday morning. "'And she says he says they was a swishin' lappin' sound, "'more now what was bending the trees and bushes could make.' And all in a sudden, the trees along the road began to get pushed one side, and there was an awful stomping and splashing in the mud. But my knee, Luther, he didn't see nothing at all, only just the bending trees and underbrush. Then far ahead, where Bishop's Brook goes under the road, he heard an awful creaking and straining on the bridge, and says he could tell the sound of wood a-starting to crack and split. And all the whiles he never seen a thing, only them trees and bushes a-bending. And when the swishing sound got very far off, on the road toward Wizard Waitley's and Sentinel Hill. Luther, he had the guts to step up where he hid at first and look at the ground. It was all mud and water, and the sky was dark, and the rain was whipping out all tracks about as fast as could be. But beginning at the glen mouth, while the trees had moved, there was still some of them awful prints as big as barrels like he seen Monday. At this point, the first excited speaker interrupted. But that ain't the trouble now. That was only the start. Zeb here was calling folks up, and everybody was listening in when a call from Seth Bishop's cut in. His housekeeper, Sally, was carrying on fit to kill. She just seed the trees abending beside the road and says there was a kind of mushy sound, like an elephant puffing and treading and heading for the house. And then she up and spoke sudden of a fearful smell and says her boy Chauncey was a-screaming as how it was just like what he smelt up to the Waitley ruins Monday morning. And the dogs was all barking and whining awful. And then she let out a table yell, and says the shed down the road had just caved in like the storm had blowed it over, only the wind wasn't strong enough to do that. Everybody was listening, and we could hear lots of folks on the wire gasping. All to once, Sally, she yelled again, and says the front yard picket fence had just crumbled up, though there wasn't no sign of what done it. 
Then everybody on the line could hear Chauncey and old Seth Bishop a yelling too, and Sally was shrieking out that something heavy had struck the house, not lightning nor nothing, but something heavy again the front that kept launching itself again and again, though you couldn't see nothing about the front windows. And then, and then, lines of fright deepened on every face, and Armitage, shaken as he was, had barely poise enough to prompt the speaker. And then, Sally, she yelled out, Oh, help, the house is caving in! And on the wire we could hear a terrible crashing, and a whole flock of screaming, just like when Elma Fry's place was took, only worse. The man paused, and another of the crowd spoke. That's not all. Not a sound nor squeak over the phone after that. Just still like. We that heard it got our fords and wagons and rounded up as many able-bodied menfolks as we could get at Corey's place and come up here to see what you thought best to do. Not but what I think. It's the Lord's judgment for our iniquities that no mortal can ever set aside. Armitage saw that the time for positive action had come and spoke decisively to the faltering group of frightened rustics. We must follow it, boys. He made his voice as reassuring as possible. I believe there's a chance of putting it out of business. You men know that those Waitleys were wizards. Well, this thing is a thing of wizardry and must be put down by the same means. I've seen Wilbur Waitley's diary and read some of the strange old books he used to read, and I think I know the right kind of spell to recite to make the thing fade away. Of course, one can't be sure, but we can always take a chance. It's invisible. I knew it would be. But there's a powder in this long-distance sprayer that might make it show up for a second. Later on, we'll try it. It's a frightful thing to have alive, but it isn't as bad as what Wilbur would have let in if he'd lived longer. You'll never know what the world has escaped. Now we've only this one thing to fight, and it can't multiply. It can, though, do a lot of harm, so we mustn't hesitate to rid the community of it. We must follow it, and the way to begin is to go to the place that has just been wrecked. Let somebody lead the way. I don't know your roads very well, but I have an idea there might be a shorter cut across lots. How about it? The men shuffled about a moment, and then Earl Sawyer spoke softly, pointing with a grimy finger through the steady, lessening rain. I guess you can get to Seth Bishop's quickest by cutting across the lower meadow here, wading the brook at the low place and climbing through Carrier's Moen and the timber lot beyond. That comes out in the upper road, mighty nice Seth's, a little to the other side. Armitage, with Rice and Morgan, started to walk in the direction indicated, and most of the natives followed slowly. The sky was growing lighter, and there were signs that the storm had worn itself away, when Armitage inadvertently took a wrong direction, Joe Osborne warned him and walked ahead to show the right one. Courage and confidence were mounting, though the twilight of the almost perpendicular wooded hill which lay toward the end of their shortcut, and among whose fantastic ancient trees they had to scramble as if up a ladder, put these qualities to a severe test. At length they emerged on a muddy road to find the sun coming out. They were a little beyond the Seth Bishop place, but bent trees and hideously unmistakable tracks showed what had passed by. Only a few moments were consumed in surveying the ruins just around the bend. It was the fry incident all over again, and nothing dead or living was found in either of the collapsed sheds which had been the bishop house and barn. No one cared to remain there amidst the stench and tarry stickiness, but all turned instinctively to the line of horrible prints leading on toward the wrecked Waitley farmhouse and the altar-crowned slopes of Sentinel Hill. As the men passed the site of Wilbur Waitley's abode, they shuddered visibly and seemed again to mix hesitancy with their zeal. It was no joke tracking down something as big as a house that one could not see 
but had all the vicious malevolence of a demon. Opposite the base of Sentinel Hill, the tracks left the road, and there was a fresh bending and matting visible along the broad swath marking the monster's former route to and from the summit. Armitage produced a pocket telescope of considerable power and scanned the steep green side of the hill. Then he handed the instrument to Morgan, whose sight was keener. After a moment of gazing, Morgan cried out sharply, passing the glass to Earl Sawyer and indicating a certain spot on the slope with his finger. Sawyer, as clumsy as most non-users of optical devices are, fumbled for a while, but eventually focused the lenses with Armitage's aid. When he did so, his cry was less restrained than Morgan's had been. "'God Almighty! The grass and bushes is a-movin'! It's a-goin' up slow-like, creepin' up to the top this minute! Heaven only knows what far!' Then the germ of panic seemed to spread among the seekers. It was one thing to chase the nameless entity, but quite another to find it. Spells might be all right, but suppose they weren't. Voices began questioning Armitage about what he knew of the thing, and no reply seemed quite to satisfy. Everyone seemed to feel himself in close proximity to phases of nature and of being utterly forbidden and wholly outside the sane experience of mankind. You've been listening to The Dunwich Horror by H.P. Lovecraft. Read by Dr. Bradley Will. Produced by Stephen Schleicher. This audiobook was produced in 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.